Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Millie, and I'm the Communications Director here at Jacksonville Young Democrats. And welcome to a little podcast we like to call Keeping It Local. Today, I'm joined with the President, Lene Parkinson, and we talked to a very exciting, very special guest. I think a lot of people will know her name. She's certainly been in the news lately, and I think she has some exciting announcements coming up. We're excited to get this podcast up and running once again. If you've listened to us before, you might have noticed that we have a new logo, done a little rebranding around here. Um, but yeah, without further, further ado, let's get started. I'm very excited about our first guest. Born and raised in Miami, she went to the University of Florida, where she earned her bachelor's, master's, and Juris Doctor degree. Uh, while at UCF, she served as the first female student body president in 20 years. After college, she went on into the legal field, advocating on behalf of her clients before the Florida legislature. And in 2017, she formed her own law firm to advocate for Tallahassee in Tallahassee for at-risk children and the Broward County School Board, as well as for the expansion of patient access to medical marijuana. Um, in 2019, she became Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services and is currently the highest and only elected Democrat official in the state of Florida. Um, did we miss anything? And I think everyone knows who our guest is today. Um, <laughs> welcome, Commissioner Freed. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this uh, and, and excited to talk to you all and uh, really uh, so truly excited about the fact that, that you're doing these podcasts and getting to our voters and getting them educated. And that, that's part of this whole process, getting them educated, getting them organized and getting them to the polls. Seriously. So like I said, I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, I always love hearing what made people want to get into politics to begin with. I think Career politicians have such a bad rep these days, um, but I always love hearing what made people get into politics because I think it really um, shows where their passion is at. So what made you want to get into politics? You know, it was probably at a young age that I found passion in um, public service. And I was I, I always tell this funny story uh, that when I was nine years old, my parents asked me what I wanted to do for my 10th birthday. And I said, I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. to see the White House. Uh, well, every other nine-year-old's asking for a bike or a new computer. Um, I wanted to go see the White House. And I just always had this passion to do good and to give back. Uh, all throughout high school, I was very involved in my youth group, uh, doing community service activities almost daily, every weekend, doing soup kitchens and Habitat for Humanity. And then I went to the University of Florida and I stayed involved in, in leadership activities on campus, becoming new student body president, uh, was also Senate president and uh, chief justice of our Supreme Court. So all three branches. And then, you know, when I graduated, I, I got, first of all, I got my master's in political campaigning at UF too. So there was just something always that, that drove me to wanting to be involved in, in the political sphere. And then after graduating, I actually applied for some um, campaigns. So I graduated from law school, would have been in my master's in 03, so before the 04 election, and sent my resume and everything out to all these campaigns across the country and the state. And no one took me. Uh, I, you know, I, was, I guess I was too green and too young. Uh, so I was fortunate that there was a, a, a dynamic woman who I had met at my time at the University of Florida. And I saw her after graduating and she's like, hey, do you have a job yet? What are you doing? And, and I said, no, not yet. I'm still kind of you know, looking for something. She's like, hey, why don't you come up to Jacksonville uh, and work at our law firm? 
And so I made the move up to Jacksonville and I had anticipated that I was going to do government consulting up in Jacksonville and they put me into commercial litigation. Uh, so a little bit different than one of the things that I had done uh, in college in my entire life, um, but was fortunate for that opportunity and really practiced law, traditional law for about eight years um, from the public defender's office in Alaska County to again, my, my time up in Jacksonville and eventually down in South Florida during, uh, you all will be too young to remember the foreclosure crisis uh, but in the 2004 timeframe. Uh, but I was up in down in South Florida during that time. And really after about eight years of practicing law, I uh, had a lot of friends that were starting to get elected into the legislature, a lot of friends that I made, made their way up to Tallahassee. And I sat back and I, I realized that I, that I missed being involved in, in the conversation of public policy. And so I scrubbed my resume and I applied to people all over the state and was fortunate that a law firm down in, in South Florida had hired me to do government consulting. Uh, so I always had this desire just to do good and, and to make a difference in the community. I saw a lot of injustice growing up. Uh, and I just wanted to help. And so in 2018, when the opportunity arose, uh, that we thought that there was a, a blue wave across the country, a pink wave, certainly, uh, that this was an opportunity for me to jump in the, in the ring um, and, and, try to, and try to help our, our state and try to get us into a right track. Yeah, no, I, I think so many people will register with that, just with that from the very beginning, just always wanting to do good. I can certainly say that's what led me to want to get involved with JYD. I think people just always are wanting to do good. And I think politics is a good way to channel that energy because it's not a lot of, there's not a lot of ways that you can just go out and directly help someone. So I definitely register with that. But why commissioner of agriculture of all positions? Like what was the, what was it about that position where you said, yes, I think I can do that. I think I can do that well. And I, I think I have a shot. Yeah, you know, it, it took a long time because people have been asking me to run for, for many years. Um, from the, Somebody asked me to run for judge ones, a school board member, Florida House. And I was very committed to, I'm not going to just run to run. Um, I want to run where I feel like I can make the greatest impact and, and really truly share my voice and, and do the most good. And so when, you know, 2018, it kind of, it was a accumulation of a couple of different events. Uh, one, having to deal with the, the national marijuana stage, uh, that we had some pretty big losses up in Washington, D.C., and uh, we weren't moving the needle far enough when it comes to medical marijuana and, and truthfully, legalization. And, and then as I was kind of dissecting, you know, the state of the state for, for the party system, um, saw that there was, you know, a, kind of some, some holes in, in our ticket. And, you know, people asked me then to run for commissioner. And at first I was like, there's no way. I, I'm this like, Jewish female from South Florida um, and have no agriculture background. That's not my forte. And people are like, no, 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 no. It's more than just agriculture. Uh, agriculture is, of course, a big part of it, um, but it's also the consumer services aspect. So again, now practicing law for 15 years, um, that I was always an advocate for my clients, an advocate for people growing up and saw that that was a natural you know, move. And then again, with my advocacy for, for marijuana and for the cannabis plant and seeing that really cannabis could be the future of agriculture, another alternative crop for our farmers. Uh, so it just, it made sense. It was a natural fit. Uh, and then the school nutrition program that, and then the feeding programs that are in our state goes back to my desire to always help when I was doing soup kitchens back in high school. Uh, they just, everything kind of fit together nicely into this position and have been able to really elevate it and really kind of bring my own touch to the position, having the first ever LGBTQ consumer advocate, having the first di uh, diversity and inclusion director, having the first vet, vet affairs director. Um, some of the things that we 
were able to do. Uh, I walked in and there was only two minorities in my division director's position. Now we're up to 12. Uh, and knowing that I was able to modernize the Department of Agriculture um, and overseeing gun licensing also happens inside the department, uh, knowing that my predecessor allowed the NRA to have a lot of power inside of the department. And I promised the people of our state that um, that wasn't going to happen. I represented Broward School Board in Broward, living in Broward County during Parkland um, and during the you know, Stoneman Douglas shootings. And I saw the pain of those families and saw the pain of those kids and knew we had to do more. And just really this position kind of was an accumulation of all of the different, you know, decision, decision points in my life uh, and knowing that I could be a member of the clemency board, going back to my public defender days, just everything kind of fit in a nice big bow uh, and uh, knew we had to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's safe to say, too, that you've been able to do all that while kind of being like this silent nature behind the scenes. You know, um, there's a lot of Florida politicians that are making the news in good or bad ways, just depending on which media outlet you read. But, um, you know, you've kind of been in the background, thankfully. What's it been like working with Ron DeSantis, though, and being literally the only Democrat elected <laughs> in the state of Florida? I, I mean, I can only imagine what that's like, so... Tell what it has been your experience working with them. And any good stories you want to share, honestly? Oh, I got lots of stories. I can probably write a book oh, yeah. over the first two and a half years. Um, you know, I really had hopes, you know, when we first got in, uh, there was, you know, four of us that were all under the age of 50. So the youngest cabinet that we've ever had in Florida. Um, I had known uh, A.G. Moody from my time at the University of Florida. I had known a CFO Patronus from you know, my time as a government consultant when he was in the legislature and really felt that we were going to be able to make a difference as a team. Uh, that it was going to be, you know, state over party, that we weren't going to get into partisan bickering. I mean, look, we all cared about the environment. We all cared about, you know, different aspects and bringing a different perspective. And unfortunately, that's not what happened. Um, you know, the governor, you know, closed shop very quickly. Um, we tried reaching out on numerous occasions, trying to sit down and try to work through issues. Uh, the first time I realized that he was never going to, you know, deal with me uh, was during the Hurricane Dorian, you know, was going to come onto our shores, you know, during 2019. We were in the emergency operations center and I tried and I, and we have a big role to play inside the emergency operations center. Um, everything from the feeding of our state during a crisis to petroleum, making sure that the tanks are filled to um, law enforcement that's underneath the agriculture, you know, in certain areas, you know, shelters with, with pets. I mean, there's just so many different parts and we had signed a lot of emergency orders and wanted to spend some time with the governor to update him on what I was doing inside of our department. And he didn't want to meet with me, didn't want to hear anything from me. Uh, finally, I went to his chief of staff and I said, Shane, we, we've got to talk. You know, this is, this is ridiculous. There's so many things that, that we need to be on the same page with. And more importantly, I wanted to say to him, this is a state emergency. This has nothing to do with Democrat, Republican. This is a state emergency. The state of Florida expects us to work together. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to take your limelight. That's not what I'm here to do. It, it's to get through our state through potentially a catastrophic hurricane. Um, and that was the first time that I saw that he just wasn't gonna work with us, uh, which is unfortunate. And I continued to try it. I, I, you know, on we had a trade mission to Israel, and I tried having communication with him. But he's also somebody who doesn't like to talk to people. Uh, it's not just me. Uh, he he's doesn't talk to the rest of the cabinet. He doesn't talk to the leadership in the House, the Senate. Um, he doesn't talk to uh, the congressional delegation. Uh, and so I knew it wasn't just me, um, which is why it was, I guess, made it easier for me just to do my job and not worry about 
interrelating with him and getting to, you know, to that, um, you know, relationship, it just wasn't going to happen. So we moved on. Um, and unfortunately he's, um, he's a very small man. Um, and is, if you are on his bad list, you are on his bad list forever. Um, and is very resentful and vengeance is part of his, his mantra. Unfortunately, uh, I, you know, two, two small stories is during every single year, the department of agriculture donates Christmas trees, um, is, it's an ag commodity. And, and so it's part of what we do. And so we donate Christmas trees to each of the members of the cabinet. And there's a tree lighting ceremony that, uh, the first lady puts on the, the ornament and it's a big festivity and it is exciting. And, and all the press corps gets there last year, he refused to do it with me. Um, so there was no Christmas celebration in 2020. Uh, it just kind of, again, small-minded um, on, on how that works. And then when we were starting organization session or the opening of session this past year, uh, we all, both all the cabinet goes in, into the into the, the chambers and we all sit together on the front row. Um, this year we walked in and I saw in the, in the house that my chair, and again, we are social distancing, so chairs were a little bit further apart, but my chair was like, out the other room. Like it was like not even close. And so I went up to one of the women who was in charge of kind of the, the floor. And I said to her, I said, why is my chair so far away from the CFO? And she said, well, it's kind of social distancing. And I said, I get that, but doesn't one side should mirror the other side. And you can see the chairs aren't the same. And this is more than six feet. Um, and she's like, well, we also wanted to make sure that you could see. And, and I said, I said, in all due respect, I'm a member of the Florida cabinet, move my chair. And moved, and so we were able to move the chair back closer to where it should have been, and then to find out afterwards that the governor actually asked that my chair was moved so he didn't have to see me. That's who is our governor of the state of Florida. It reminds Quite me of our ex-president, oh, honestly. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, no. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny. He seems to like to surround himself with people that are like that. Yep. Which and is, so, which exactly. is funny. He's just a mini yeah, Trump. It's, takes his cues from Trump. It's, it's funny you bring up session though, because I did want to ask your opinion. I mean, honestly, I, I'm going to be very honest. This is probably the first Florida session I've paid attention to. And since I turned 18, and was even a voter, but it, it was kind of scary, honestly, as someone that was just now tuning into her first session. Um, I mean, with HB1, we saw the anti-trans youth ban. We saw them try to limit the amount of money that you can get from Florida Bright Futures. It just seemed like after the kind of year that we had with COVID, it he was just thinking about all the wrong things. I mean, HB1 was literally the very first bill that he introduced himself. Um, so for me as a voter and as a young voter, knowing that that was his priority, it was just kind of like a, oh, wow, it doesn't matter that we have a president um, a democratic president. It doesn't matter that we have our first female VP because at the state level, we still have all these Republicans that we have to get through and just fight through in order to get a, just a piece of the pie of what we thought we were going to get. What was your opinion on this past legislative season? And um, what just what did you think all about it? Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Um, and mad. You know, that that they came into 2020 thinking that they had a mandate um, from, from the election and they thought that they could just do whatever they wanted. They had a majority in both chambers. Uh, you have a governor who wants to run for president in 2024 and wants to secure not only the, the, the vote here in Florida, but across the country. And the Capitol was closed. So people couldn't even go in and talk to their elected representatives. Couldn't, you know, it's one thing to like, call them or to send emails, but 
you got to look eye to eye with people and say, this is how this is impacting me. This is how this is infecting me. And that didn't happen. And so they went in without talking to their constituents. They went in in kind of this shelter and just passed legislation that hurts people. You know, and in a time when you're, again, I go back into public service, it's to do good and to serve the public. And that's all of the public. And, and, you know, when elections are supposed to be, elections are over. And, and that means we're supposed to come back together and do good for the people of our state. And, and the fact is, that's not what their intentions were. You know, we just went through a pandemic where people are still dying today in the state of Florida because of this pandemic. People are still losing their jobs. People are still, you know, are sick and in hospitals. And instead of focusing on how to get our state through this and focusing on our economy of how to rebuild it, they focus on trans bill. Like what in the world, what in the world does government have to do with regulating sports for, for high school children? That is absolutely insane. Insane. Not, and, and yeah, it, and not to mention I have. was in, yeah, I was in high school not too long ago. And I remember I played sports and I didn't even, I would have never, I never encountered a trans person. And if I did, I wouldn't have cared. Cause there's bigger things to worry about. So yeah, that bill just blew me away. And then, and then not only that, but they know that the constitutional amendments keep passing because the will of the people actually has, you know, passion behind it and cares about issues that the Republican legislature refused to act on. And so these, these populist movements, you know, constitutional amendments are getting passed. And so what do they do this year? They made it more difficult by making caps on three thousand dollars that somebody can contribute to these constitutional amendments. What about capping your own PCs, your own political committees? No, that wasn't an option. But capping the the, the opportunities for for the people to get involved in these is ridiculous. Um, and so it was time and time again. I mean, the protest bill, of course, the voter suppression bill. You know, when they they went out and said, well, we had to fix and make sure that there's no fraud. There wasn't any fraud. There was no fraud. The only fraud that we're seeing is from the Republicans and putting ghost candidates into these races. So that's where the fraud was. But why? But let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about how to prevent ghost candidates. But let's talk about how how to change the way that that we do, you know, mail-in ballots and drop boxes and handing out water in lines. Well, you've just made it a lot more difficult to us to vote. So of course the lines are going to be more difficult. And and you think that somebody's standing in line and we hand them a piece of pizza, they're going to be changing their vote. I mean, this is so small-minded, you know, uh, of them. And, and truth be told, if you had the right message, then why should that matter? Because the people will be voting for you. The problem is you don't have the right message. And so you have to suppress the people who are going to vote against you. And, and um, so I can go on to a complete soapbox for hours about all the problems uh, that we had in Tallahassee this session. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was it was just blowing. It blew me away every single time I checked my phone. Honestly, just when I thought it couldn't get worse, um, <laughs> it did. So, so yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to Lene now, and she's gonna wrap it up. And I know she has something she wants to talk to you about. So, Lene, take it away. <laughs> yes, last two questions. Um, so, I saw your most recent viral video. I know everyone did that you posted a few weeks ago. Um, it gave me chills and then it motivated me, reminded me that we are not done working our, for our communities um, after 2020. <laughs> the fight continues, especially in Florida, um, to see a strong Democrat stand up and fight for the rights of all Floridians and not only do so, but do it unapologetically is, brings tears to my eyes. It's 
really fantastic to see. So to bring it to the question, um, we know that most people run for two reasons, um, to build their you know, personal fame and portfolio, and, um, or to fix and fuel your community. Um, it's really clear that you um, are open to calls of action and you feel strongly about fixing the community and fueling it. Um, do you have any plans to run for governor? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I'm glad that you saw the video and you liked it. Um, yes. And, and mm -hmm. it certainly is clear um, that we need strong challengers to take on Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been you know, strongly considering a run, um, mm -hmm. but I guess you'll have to wait till June first to see the actual announcement. Uh, but, you know, as, as our only statewide elected Democrat, I've been up, able to see, unfortunately, up close and personal uh, Ron DeSantis and what he is not doing for the people of our state. Um, and you're right, a lot of people run um, for power, for seeing their name in lights, um, you know, and that, that's not me. Uh, I'm not a career politician. I've been in office for two and a half years. Um, had no intention of running for governor when I first got elected. Um, I love being commissioner of agriculture, um, but I love our state more. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and so that's what drives me is to make sure that we are doing good for our state and putting um, people in office. And it's not just governor, you know, it, we, we are looking at, we need to create a, a populist movement in our state and to educate the people of our state um, that what the Republicans have done for 20 years um, is not for the best interest of the people. You know, we have an economy that doesn't work. You know, that we are of an economy that's based on tourism and low income jobs. We're not, we're not bringing in the, the Fortune 500 companies that are gonna have good paying jobs here. We're not focusing on our infrastructure, on our education system, our, our higher ed system. We keep you know, taking money out of it. Um, and making it more difficult. I mean, like, like you said earlier, you know, the bright futures, you know, let's dismantle bright futures and reduce that. How is that helpful? You just had $10 billion added to our state coffers. And let's take money away from the kids that are trying to get a good education and, and create a good life for themselves. That's ridiculous. Um, and again, this is them being so small-minded of, of what is the priority of the people of our state. And we need new leadership in Tallahassee to, to refocus that and to create a, a plan. You know, every, every governor that has come in for the last, you know, since Lawton Childs um, has come in. And the only thing they care about is those four years, those four years, how to get reelected, how to stay in power, how to maintain power. And hasn't come up with a strategic plan of how to move our state. There's no reason why those companies shouldn't be coming here. There's no reason why, you know, we have such a huge wealth inequality gap here in our state. There's no reason why our, our K through 12 system is the bottom of, of the country. There's no reason why our unemployment numbers, uh, you know, uh, payment for our unemployment system is, is one of the worst in the nation. That's because we have a system that doesn't work for the people and it needs to be broken and we need to start over. And I keep wanting to press the red button and, and to start, start <laughs> over again. And, and that's what I'm hoping um, that we can get accomplished in 2022. Awesome, fix and fuel. <laughs> um, last question. Uh, so you told us a story um, about where you quite literally had to ask for a seat at the table um, and you are a strong woman and somebody that we can all look up to and see, you know, Nikki Freed pushes through it, so so can I. Um, so what advice would you have for young women who are in politics and also want a seat at the table? Yeah, um, I think that some of the greatest advice, it's not going to be handed to us. Um, and we've got to work for it. Uh, and, 
you know, we've got to know that we've got the passion, we've got the strength, we've got the desire to do so. We sometimes just have to work a little bit harder for it. Um, we're going to have to wake up a little bit earlier and stay a little bit later um, and, and take it um, and be told, I, I was told to wait my turn, I think in, in an article a couple of weeks ago, to wait my turn. Um, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't wait turns. Um, and, and that's what I think that women have to understand. We've got to take it and, and not be afraid to take it and, and not feel embarrassed or feel ashamed um, for, for doing so. Uh, and I think it's something that's different significantly in, the, in the, this generation and in your generation is that the people that came before us, there was only one seat at the table and women fought against each other to have that one seat. And I think that you're seeing a lot more that women are coming together and showing support for one another and, and, and lifting each other up, um, getting mentors and getting, you know, mentees and, and we're supporting each other, which is different than the generation above me that really, you know, didn't, you saw very few female CEOs and very few female partners in law firms. And now that's changing. And that's because we as women understand that our power comes from each other and that not to take it away from one another. And so we, we've got the passion, we got the fight, stick together and we will rise above it all. And don't ever tell any, don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise you can't do something. Um, the, the, the world uh, is our oyster and uh, we just need to go find the pearls. Oh. Well, thank you. I can't end it any better than that. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really appreciate it. Alrighty, guys, that is all we have for you today. Thank you again to Commissioner Freed for taking the time to let us interview her. We were so glad whenever we could have her as our first guest back on the podcast. So we're very excited for all the guests that we have coming on in the future. Definitely follow us on social media. Anything that we post or anything that we do, we will be posting there first, of course, because it is 2021. Um, if you're looking to join, if you're living in Jacksonville or Duval County or a Demo registered Democrat under the age of 40 and you're looking to join us, definitely check out our website. That will give you all the info for what you need to do. That is jacksyoungdems.org. Um, our Instagram is at jacksyoungdems and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Jacksonville Young Democrats. Once again, my name is Millie. I am the communications director for Jacksonville Young Democrats and I will see you guys next time. Bye.